Welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry, a proud graduate of Kansas State men's basketball at the wonderful University of Kansas State. And I have with me Manhattan Mercury Sports Editor Tim Everson, the K-State beat writer, phoning in from Greensboro, where the K-State Wildcats are headed to the Sweet 16 after beating Montana State in the first round and then beating Kentucky in the in the, in the round of 32. A very fun day uh, for K-State fans, including myself everywhere. Had to bring Tim Everson, who I brought in right before uh, a K-State KU football game earlier this year when both programs were trending upward. Tim Everson's back on the war room uh, to talk about K-State's run in the the NCAA tournament. Uh, Tim, take it away. Tell me about the Wildcats, why they're doing, why they're in the Sweet 16. Well, I mean, I think the thing that they keep talking about is this, this team is just kind of drawn together. They stay together when things get tough. When they get down, when things aren't going their way, uh, I think their, their, their biggest superpower is just their commitment to each other and their, their drive to win. And that, that kind of showed today against Kentucky that it didn't all go their way for the full 40 minutes. Uh, there was a point in the second half, the beginning of the second half, where Kentucky went on a 13 to 2 run. Uh, but, I mean, in the end, Great defense, uh, just a phenomenal performance from, from Marquise Noel, and then a whole bunch of solid, uh, solid contributions from about four or five other guys. Um, the Virginia Tech uh, transfer playing well. without his sh- playing with his foot out of his shoe at some point. Exactly. At one point, I mean David David Hassan would be, and I asked uh, I asked Coach Tang about this after after the game, and he just raved about his performance. I think he only had four points. In, in, in the game today, he had 10 versus Montana State, but his his, his defense, I mean, look, Oscar Shipway is a menace and mm-hmm. a force, and you can't fully stop him, especially, you know, when, when Casey doesn't have anyone that is, like, weighs more than, like, 230 pounds. So it's just, it's just tough matchup-wise to fully take him out of the equation. Absolutely. But when they can kind of plan around it and kind of take other guys out, um, they, they, they found a way to get it done. So I, I want to talk about Marquise Noel. He had 27 points against Kentucky. Uh, we're recording this about three hours after the game ended, so you've gotten your you've gotten your stories in, and instead of going to bed and getting a little sleep, I annoyed you into doing a radio radio hit. So, uh Hey, uh, you know, I've only I've only got one story. I still got I still got a lot more I got to do. So I'm uh, I got a long I had a long 24 hours ahead of me. I bet you do. It's more than 24 hours. I guarantee that. Uh, but we got to talk about Marquise Noel. Uh, I I really feel like Tim. He is the story of this team, uh, or, or so to speak, and. You know he's he, he's one of the only holdovers from the last uh, regime to this regime, uh, from Weber to uh, Jerome Tang. Uh, he's one of the few players that stayed, uh, and really the only big time contributor that stayed uh, it, from that backcourt that featured Nigel Pack and Marquise Noel. Uh, Noel's turned into a turned in a season that earned him third team All America honors from the Associated Press. Like I just said, he had 27 points against Kentucky. 23 of those were in the second half. Uh, he hits that logo three-pointer that was just so critical 
uh, during that second half. Uh, How do you, in your interactions with him and you being, you know, more uh, more, uh, engulfed in this K-State team day-to-day, tell me about Marquise and, and, you know, what his significance is to this program right now. I mean, he's he's a guy that I mean I I, I liked from the get go just because he's got that he's got that moxie to him that he's got that 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 New York flair and, and when he first arrived last year uh, that got him in a lot of trouble because he would try to do too much or would try to be a little too flashy um, he would turn the ball over way too much he would he was not reliable enough to be a team leader. Um, the, the stuff that he could pull off sometimes was incredible. Um, but it really took Jerome Tang coming in and really kind of honing in on what what makes him great while kind of sanding down a lot of those rough edges. And, I mean, as, as things stand, I mean, he's... He's done so much in, the, in these two years that he's going to go down as one of the greatest point guards to ever play at Kansas State, regardless of what happens uh, next week or mm-hmm. any time after that. I mean, he's already kind of cemented his legacy. He is, uh, I feel comfortable in saying that he's the best passer that's ever worn a K-State uniform. I think that's, uh, I think that he would have even more records if he was here, uh, if he was in Manhattan for his freshman and sophomore year. The only guy but, I might argue that I think in terms of best passer at K-State, and I'm going to I'm gonna throw some love here to my grandmother, rest in peace, uh, on my dad's side. My dad went to K-State. Uh, my grandmother's favorite basketball player at K-State history was Steve Henson. Uh, and obviously he was a great guard, uh, you know, and he, he was a, f- a fantastic distributor of the ball. I, I I agree with you. I think Marquise's court vision, especially this year, it's just been a transformation in his ability yeah. to see the floor. And it's not just the flashy plays. It's, it is accurate, on-time passes that keep the defense out of rotation and off balance. And that is what has led to a lot of scoring opportunities throughout the year. Uh, and he's had a couple just absolutely, and then he, in this game, just absolutely just disgusting. <sighs> Good. Beautiful passes, including at the very end of the first half, a no look pass to Naquan Tomlin for a for an alley oop just as time expired. That is just you just don't even know how he does it. Um, but it's it's incredible, and it is what has kind of you know. There's so many pieces. I mean, case it is, is has so many things going for them. But he's really what kind of brings it all together and makes it all work. You know, you bring it, the fact that you bring up his passing, it, it's something that uh, I don't want to say the average fan because I feel like that's a bit of an insult. But people who, who, not necessarily, who necessarily uh, don't fully understand the jumps between like high school basketball to uh, college basketball to Power Five college basketball to the NBA. If you're looking for things uh, to really isolate those differences, look at the passing. Look how crisp the passing is between those levels. Uh, you know, it, it. You know, in high school, you're just saying, "Oh, just pass it to the person." By the time you get to college, and then your elite passes in college into the NBA, it's passes that are on time, in rhythm, crisp hit right in the shooter's pocket or right where it needs to be. 
Uh, and it's it's put the pat the ball is put like I said where it needs to be, not where the guy is. Uh, and and it's a cliche, but guard play in the NCAA tournament is so critical. Uh, we saw that Fairleigh Dickinson was able to take out Purdue because they had such a stellar backcourt. Uh, and you, you think about what is maybe one of the greatest March runs. I would argue it's the greatest March run we've ever seen uh, out of that UConn team with Kemba Walker. Uh, those are all elite guards uh, that have thrived, and I feel like Marquise Noel is becoming a part of that right now. He is fitting that mold that lends itself to K-State getting to the Sweet 16. Uh, Noel has brought up that, that UConn team and, and Kimball Walker as a, a another New York guy <laughs> for him exactly and his run that also went through Madison Square Garden I mean it's he's uh, I mean he he definitely models himself off of off of Kimba and is a is a huge huge Kimball Walker fan that's and I, man there was. And think about it. UConn was UConn was in the Big East at that time, uh, you know. And obviously, the Big that was when the Big East for basketball that was the greatest college basketball conference that ever existed. I mean, the there were what sixteen teams in it, and the top twelve were all in the hunt for the tournament. And even and I think like the thirteen and fourteen were top seeds in the NIT or something like that. Uh, and UConn was a middle of the road, it, it, as, as much as you could call any of those Big East teams middle of the road, they were middle of the road in the Big East when that Big East tournament started, and then he goes in the NCAA tournament, um, 11 straight wins out of that UConn team with Kemba Walker uh, to earn a Big East title and a national title. There, there's not a run like it. And But you're right, I think Marquise Noel does very much uh, kind of fit that mold. Another thing I wanted to ask you, it's, it, you know, one thing about K-State – uh, and this whole season with Jerome Tang specifically is sideline uh, out-of-bounds plays and baseline out-of-bounds plays. Uh, K-State this year has made a living off of scoring off of those sets. And it's something to me that is borderline shocking because I know great coaches that coach nothing but winning programs all the time. You see coaches that coach nothing but winning programs all the time. I'm talking about some of the greats, you know, your your Mike Chashevskis, your Bill Selfs going down. I mean, I you know, I cover the Labette women's basketball team and they're ranked in a top 5 perennially in the comp, in the country. Those coaches don't have super flashy, super effective out-of-bounds sets. Their out-of-bounds sets are just designed to get the ball in and get into the offense, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. You can win a lot of games doing with that, just that. Why do you feel like has Jerome Tang been so effective with the out-of-bounds sets? And they're so creative, too, and there's so, there's such a variety to them, it seems like. Well, and then the one in particular that, that we saw today at the very end of the game, uh, they call it uh, they call it Mahomes, and it's where they, they, they line up, they all five line up at the, at the baseline. And it's basically, like they're lining up at the line of scrimmage, and it's just a way to find a way to get the ball into someone when there's heavy pressure. But I mean, it's it's something that has delighted me all year just to watch because the creativity involved. I think it was something that uh, Jerome Tang really kind of got going, or, or kind of saw uh, the effective at Baylor, and he's been able to kind of carry carry that over. But I mean, it just shows that like it just they they got the full the full bag of tricks here. They they got the 
the X's and O portion, they have the player development portion, they have the recruiting, you know, they, they, just, they, they, they have the fan engagement, uh, they, they really, they can do it all, and it's, K-State fans really should just feel so lucky that they, this is, this is who they landed with, because I mean, there were, just look at some of the other coaches that were kind of out there that K-State was looking at, Chris Jans, who was at Mississippi State, which they made the tournament, but they're they're done. Uh, Dennis Gates, who's at Missouri, they're done. Um, there's some others that didn't even make the tournament this year that 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 K State was looking at. Um, it, it's just it's it's really uh, it's a special time mm-hmm. and it's it's fun. It's it's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, Tim, we're going to go to a quick break here on the War Room on KOKC Radio, but when we come back, more Tim Everson, the Manhattan Mercury sports editor and K-State beat writer, phoning in from Greensboro as the K-State Wildcats men's basketball team are headed uh, to the Sweet 16 after beating Kentucky on Sunday. Uh, More Tim Everson on the War Room here on KOKC Radio. When we come back, I'm your host, Sean Fry. Don't go anywhere. And we're back here on the War Room on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry. My guest today, uh, Manhattan Mercury sports editor Tim Everson, formerly of the Iola Register. So there's a, don't worry, guys, there's a Southeast Kansas connection. Uh, and he is in Greensboro right now where he is filing his stories away as Kansas State has made the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Tim, one thing we, you and I both wanted to talk about uh, – is John Calipari's quote referring to Marquise Noel, uh, the point guard for K-State, called him the little guy, uh, saying he caught, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you tweeted that quote out and uh, talked about how Marquise Noel just dominated Kentucky. I read that quote and I, I was ready to fight John Calipari right there because I grew up being a little guy. A lot of people, you know, I'm five, you know, ten-ish right now. But I was my nickname all through school was Small Fry, and uh, that's because my freshman year of college at K State, I grew four inches. Like I was a very late bloomer. So hearing insults to the little to, to so hearing somebody insult somebody as the little guy, I, I was ready to get to Greensboro myself and handle it. Uh, tell me about you know what was your reaction? I'm sure you were sitting in that presser. Tell me about uh, your reaction to that. I actually was not. I was actually in the locker room. They they have open open lockers um, at the same time that they have the uh, actual press conferences going down. <laughs> That's really so, convenient for you, isn't it? <laughs> well, you just gotta pick. I mean, it's nice if you are in a, a no outlet that sends more than one person, then you can kind of split. But they also they they transcribe and they record everything, so you get all of that stuff. It's just. Uh, uh, it, it, it just makes it a little tougher. So I was in the locker room talking to players, but whenever I got back, um, I, I opened up the, the, the transcription of the quotes and then read it. And kind of the big, my big takeaway, um, it's fine. I, I, you know, Marquise Noel is 5'8". Maybe, we're probably closer to 5'7". Yeah, it's 5'8". Let's, let's, uh, Yes, he is small. He is little. It is okay to point that out. It is okay to reference that. What bothered me uh, more than anything is that this that Marquise just had 27 points, nine assists, uh, top scorer in the game, 
And, you know, Calipari, you know, can't call him by his name. He can't say yeah. the little guy, Marquise Noel, or Marquise, or Noel. I mean, and, and it, it just seemed, it's, it's not even like he was insulting him about being small. It was just disrespectful for me that he wouldn't even call him by his name after having a truly great performance. He couldn't even step out of, you know, his dismay for how crappy his team played. Yeah. That he, you know. They've had a down year all year, to, too. Yeah. <laughs> to and Kentucky so standards, yeah. you think about the resources that Kentucky pours into its basketball program. They're considered one of, like, really the one of the OG true bloods alongside your Duke, Kansas, and North Carolina. I mean, I think you look at Duke, Kansas, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Tell me another program that is considered an OG blue blood. And, yeah. you know, it's... <laughs> but you know what I was going to say is maybe maybe he didn't want to name him because I'm sure they're thinking Marquise Noel is freaking Voldemort right now with how, uh, with how he treated Kentucky. That may be so, but <laughs> even then it was just it seemed like poor form. It seemed like sour grapes and look, I mean, you get beat mm-hmm. and you can choose to act that way or you can have some class. And, you know, kind of set an example for the young men on your team. And, uh, you know, he he chose to go that way. And I don't know if, uh, you know, I don't know if K-State coaches caught that. I don't know if Marquise caught that. But I'm sure But they'll, you know, they'll handle it in their ways. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter because they won. Yep. Because they won, and so, you know, John Calipari can say whatever he wants to do. He's going back to Lexington, where he has to worry about a football team that's slowly gaining prominence and overtaking a basketball team that is waning into not full mediocrity, but definitely... Not uh, living up to the standard that you would think Kentucky basketball has. And there are a lot of people in Lexington that are, you know, were unhappy before the season started with them and are even unhappier now. So uh, They weren't even the best Wildcats they faced in the tournament. (laughs) Exactly. John Calipari has a lot more, a lot worse problems to deal with than than Marquise Noel. And, uh, he should probably realize that. And grow up. And one thing. And one thing that and I don't know. I'm not pointing to any specific thing, but John Calipari always thrived in kind of. I don't want to say the old era, but the previous era of college athletics, where uh, athletes and players weren't granted the same types of freedoms uh, that, in terms of transferring, and you know, obviously the, the pandemic with the extra year of COVID eligibility is playing a role in that. You wonder how much freedom those athletes have been given uh, has affected, you know, programs like Kentucky that relied on on loyalty and the restrictions placed on them. I I do want, and that leads me into talking about the last two coaching changes that K-State basketball has faced, uh, from Frank Martin to Bruce Weber, and then Bruce Weber to uh, Jerome Tang. The first year for both those new coaches, Bruce Weber and Jerome Tang, went very well. K-State, and I was there my junior year at K-State as a manager under Bruce Weber. Uh, we won a Big 12 title his very first year in, ta- in Manhattan, Jerome Tang's first year. Uh, uh, they uh, obviously finished well above uh, preseason prognostications and are now sitting in the Sweet 16. 
that to me is where a lot of the similarities stop. Case Bruce Weber worked tirelessly to keep virtually the entire roster intact his first year in Manhattan and uh, prevented what was a mass exodus. Whereas when Bruce Weber uh, resigned, he was there was a mass exodus of players when Jerome Tang took over. But with the freedom that the transfer portal and the COVID eligibility years have provided a lot of these athletes, he was able to stitch together a roster that is worthy of the Sweet 16. How do you kind of... Obviously, a lot of the results are the same. Both seasons are among uh, the you know the ticker tape type years for K State men's basketball. Uh, how do you kind of compare and contrast those first years under new regimes and what's made them successful uh, facing with very different formulas? Yeah, I mean it's it, it has been super interesting. I think that uh, the main difference between the two is a I mean the transfer portal and the no no restrictions on transfer and who knows if Bruce would have been able to keep uh, as many guys as he kept if the transfer portal was enacted in, in, in around back in, in, in 2012 exactly. but uh, there wasn't and he was able to keep them and they had they had success um, I think that um while this, you know, Jerome Tang is lauded for kind of building this team from the ground up, minus Marquis Noel and, 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 and Israel Massoud, um, the truth is, and he's alluded to this a couple times, but hasn't outright said it because it's just, it's not a super nice reality, but it is a reality. Uh, it's not like there were a whole bunch of players that were on the team last year that they wanted to come back. True, yeah. I mean, I think that there were maybe... Outside of Nigel Pack, I mean, do you really... There was maybe one or two, aside from Pack, that they would have been okay with keeping. Uh, But for the most part, they kind of knew that part of this reinvention of K-State basketball it was going to involve a, a cleaning of the house um, in, in a lot of ways. And, uh, I mean, that's just kind of the, 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 the truth of the matter. The talent level had gotten to a point where uh, it, it was uh, untenable. And uh, K-State was taking, Weber and staff were taking chances on a lot of guys that, uh, frankly, had no business being at a, at a Power Five Division One school, and you've seen after they've transferred, there are very few uh, Bruce Weber transfer success stories out there. I mean, it's guys that came to K State originally and went to somewhere else. There are only a few that have gone somewhere else and flourish and really like done something of note or have gone to programs of note. And so, and again, I'm not, this isn't so, I'm not trying to do a hit piece on Bruce Weber or anything like that. It's just the fact of the matter is the talent level was not acceptable. And with the transfer portal being available, it offered Jerome Tang an avenue uh, to quickly raise that level of talent. Um, And, you know, I mean, we will see if that is something that he will uh, continue to hit on. But they, I mean, for I mean, maybe maybe with one or two 
somewhat exceptions. They, they've hit on every single person that they've brought in. Every single person has filled the role that they needed to to get them to this place right now, which is Sweet 16 bound. So, I mean, it's, it, 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 it's crazy how I got here, but that's, the, that's kind of the reality of it. And, and it's also probably a byproduct of the two situations both coaches inherited, while Bruce Weber inherited a situation that every new coaching change has its own variables that can make things unstable, and there's, those certainly were present when Frank Martin left uh, for South Carolina. Uh, a, a, an intact roster, which is what Weber preserved, was, a, was at least a top third of the Big 12 caliber roster. And, you know, he was trying to get from good to great. What Tang inherited was, uh, you, know, rebuild, you know, rebuilding the Lego set, so to speak. Uh, we got about a minute left here. Uh, and you mentioned, like we've mentioned time and time again, K-State going to the Sweet 16. Let's talk about our quick hitters on, what we're, on who they're going to face. And that is Michigan State, who beat Marquette in the round of 32 uh, to advance to the Sweet 16. One thing me and my buddy said earlier, uh, you know, me and my Xbox buddies, uh, we were talking about our brackets and, and our picks and everything. And one thing that somebody that uh, somebody said, another former manager for K-State, uh, who's now a graduate assistant at Washington, his name's Alex Piggott, he said, Tom Izzo's too good in March. And that's why he had him winning at least those first two games. Uh, Tom Izzo, a very established coach at Michigan State, uh, obviously has had a lot of success in March. There's no doubt about that. Versus a Kansas State team that uh, is facing with a new head coach and, and is one of the darling stories of the entire college basketball season. Uh, you know, age versus youth, all the cliches go into play. How do you, what are some keys to this matchup uh, and big storylines going in between K State and Michigan State? Well, I haven't I haven't gotten a chance to dive too deeply on the Spartans yet. I know that they have some experience. Obviously, Julie Hauser's been there for what feels like forever. Um, so that, I mean, that'll be a threat. But for K State, really, uh, in every game this season, it's just it's been about limiting turnovers and then you know finding a way to. Uh, keep opponents off the offensive glass. If they can do those two things, uh, they can they can beat anybody. And they've shown that. They've you know, they've beaten Texas, who's in the Sweet Sixteen, they've beaten Kansas, they've beaten Kentucky. Uh I, I'm not hundred percent sure how the Baylor game shook out. I I, I left uh we're doing this as it was ending, but they beat them twice. If they win they're in the Sweet Sixteen TCU, they beat them once. If they win tonight, they're in the Sweet 16. So, I mean, they're, they're, they've proven that they can hang with just about anyone. Um, and I don't know. It feels like it's possible that this is kind of shaping up to maybe be a little bit of a, of a special run, especially considering the fact that Marquise Noel, Ishmael Massoud, Naquan Tomlin, and Tyke Green are all going home to New York City and we'll be playing at Madison Square Garden, the cathedral of basketball. And I mean, if that's not going to get a special performance out of them, I don't know what is. So it'll be, it'll be fun to watch. I'm excited to be there. It's my first trip to New York. So I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. Absolutely. Hey, excited for you, Tim. Thank you so much for joining us on the war room. 
uh, on KOKC Radio. Um, I hit you up out of the whim. I, I hit you up on Snapchat. I said, there's no way in hell you'd be able to do a radio show, is there? And you didn't hesitate, and you said, absolutely, I could. So I appreciate the time. I know how valuable your time is right now. The, t- the It is valuable time of the only uh, hometown newspaper covering a college basketball team in March Madness right now as Kansas lost earlier and Wichita State didn't even make it to to the tournament. So uh, the crown beat writer of Kansas College Sports right now, Tim Everson, thank you for joining us on the War Room on KLKC Radio. That'll do it. Uh, K-State playing Michigan State in the Sweet 16. Uh, I'll get back to my high school sports takes and everything next week, Uh, but it was a joy to have Tim Everson on. Everybody stay safe. God bless. This has been the War Room on KLKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry.